Hello, this is Charles Wiz. And Tony Silva. This is episode 164 of Two Teachers Talking. And if you've been listening to us, you know exactly what I'm going to say and how I'm going to describe the podcast, where Tony and I get together and we talk about teaching and teaching in Japan and teaching English in Japan and being retired and getting close to being retired and a wide variety of topics. And for today's episode, we're talking about what for me is something that I struggle with constantly on a constant basis, which really is, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, should we shock students or should we be as gentle as possible with them? And how does that affect the results we get? And this comes about from, I think, almost any teacher's experience, and I'm sure, Tony, you you know remember this too, where you teach something and you're friendly and you're generous and, you know, generous with your patients, your understanding, or at least I think I'm being generous with my patients and understanding. <laughs> this might be the problem. <laughs> yeah, this is a factor is, you know, the perception. But you teach something or you try to get something um, to, for the students to understand or to get them started on thinking. And no matter what you do, it's not working. It's not getting through. And then whether it's out of frustration or a lack of other options, for example, I will or have taken a stricter tone or let's say a more severe tone with the students. And again, that's all relative as to what is severe. And I don't mean by, you know, attacking them or anything, but, you know, might actually say, hey, you're not focused enough. You're not getting it. A variety of ways of, let's say, being harsh. And then suddenly it gets through to them. And that's what we're talking about today is that struggle, that back and forth, or for lack of a better term, I think like a dialectic, Tony. So where should we start, do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I think adding, I think maybe just to widen the scope a little bit, not just like the the harshness aspect of it, but kind of the the unexpected, like the shock, the things. And we've we've talked a little bit about it before. Well, actually, we've talked about it a lot before in in different ways. Um, we talked last week, for example, about uh, diversity of approaches and uh, styles, teaching styles, um, in different ways to reach the students, whether you know to whether it's the same thing or something a new thing, or there's always something new. Um, we talked uh, in uh, way back in 2015 about um, the expectations that we put on, not what we have necessarily, but what were the expectations that we uh, put on the students. And we did that again in, 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 in 2020 in episode 118. So it was great expectations and great expectations revisited in terms of you know, just raising the bar and having significant demands on the students so that they really need to work when they feel like they need to work. And uh, more recently, uh, it was last year, it's number 154, we talked about uh, desirable difficulties and to how the you know, research seems to show that there's an optimal level level of difficulty uh, that for learning and thing and it can be can come in all kinds of weird ways, even like for example, typefaces or fonts that are that are difficult to they're to read more difficult to read that somehow enhances memory and and learning, uh, and we talked about. Um, Learning styles, not teaching, but learning styles, back in uh, 2020, that was number 130, um, and that um, some research shows that you know, there is no such thing, uh, but you know, learners um, are comfortable, kind of a key word for today, uh, learning a certain way. They think that they learn better, um, and whether they do or they don't, I think that's kind of up in the air because I'm one of those I'm one of those learners <laughs> that really feels like I have an optimal learning style, and if it's you know if it's too much outside of that you know regimen, I really kind of feel like I'm not learning. I, 
I guess the key word there is feel like I'm not learning. But so what we got here, you know, we'll talk about is in the classroom, um, you know, two kind of very different approaches. And, and of course, the spectrum in between, um, between creating an environment that is comfortable um, for students and everyone's comfortable and happy versus, you know, throwing something completely unexpected at them, um, which might make them uncomfortable, but might possibly um, enhance their learning. I don't know. So anyway, not a completely new topic, but kind of a, a new a new f- focus, right? So it's not the advantages, the disadvantages, um, aiming for comfort or uh, and the comfort and the familiar or shock and awe um, and everything in between. And uh, I don't know, you know, create a comfortable environment for them or toss them to situations that that force them to create new neural pathways. Etc. So yeah, that's where we're going. Yes, that's where we. <laughs> and I, and I don't know. I I suspect that we're going to probably be just raising lots of questions. You know, making observations, putting things together, relating stories, and throwing out questions because I don't I don't know that we're going to come up with an answer. Today. Oh, we have we have all the answers. <laughs> Or you have all the answers, Tony. I'm <laughs> yeah, still they're, asking questions. Yeah, they're written on my sock. On the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why stretching is important. You got to be able to read the bottom of your socks or mm-hmm. bottom of your shoes. But mm-hmm. I think you phrased it really well, and that there's a whole range of uh, preferences we're talking about. I think the place for me to start, at least as a practitioner, as a, a classroom practitioner. And it always amazes me uh, how often this happens. And I keep trying to stick to the gentle approach on this. So let me give an example. I really emphasize reviewing and note-taking in all my classes. And I always got, yeah, you know where this is going, right? You want to finish this for me? Go ahead. You you know where, because everyone, everyone knows where this is going. Hopefully, or not unhopefully, so it'll sound interesting. But to really make it short, I ask my students, you know, review. Make sure you review before every class. Make sure you review after class. Come to class the next week, and I'll say, okay, just real quickly, how many of you reviewed? How many of you didn't review? Overwhelming number of students don't review. So I say, okay, please review. I always (laughs) ask you to review. Next week, do the same thing. Same result, same result. Three, four, five weeks later, finally, I just turn to them. I say, okay, from now on, there's a test at the beginning of every class about what we've covered in the previous classes. I announce there will be a test next week. So we come to class and I say, okay, how many of you reviewed for class today? And everybody's hand goes up, right? (laughs) And, you know, the mean part of me wants to say, okay, thanks for reviewing. Let's now move on. You know, I won't give the quiz, you know, just to say, hey, I, you know, I did it. But I usually give the quiz. But here's what I always say to my students is I say, I ask you to do something. I ask you nicely, and you don't do what I say. And for me to get you to do what I know is an important thing for you to do so you can learn effectively in the classroom when you come to class is to review. And you won't do it if I ask you nicely. So you leave me no choice but to turn into a you know strict teacher who tests you every week. And that, I think, is the ultimate example of the problem I'm trying to deal with, you know, what you call the shock and awe versus the Uh gentle, uh uh is that the kids who get it, the students who get it are reviewing, but that's such a small minority, and the students who need to review the most don't do it. So I have no choice but to shock them and scare them, so to speak, and... I, I, it frustrates me, you know, it really does frustrate me because it's like, hey, you need to review, especially when you have 15 different classes, how are you keeping track? So that's where I think I can give the best example of the problem is that maybe 
maybe the issue is the frustration I have that unless I test, unless I assess and evaluate with some kind of medium to higher stakes instrument, the students will not do what they need to do to be effective learners. And that just makes me crazy. And after all these years, I still can't accept it. So that is an example, but I see it played out in other ways. For example, the refusal or inability or for whatever it is for students not to apply what they learned to a new situation, so-called supposedly you know, transfer of learning. And I'm going on a bit here, Tony, so apologies, but the example is I teach uh, an independent learning class, and I go through like two sessions where I really teach vocabulary frequency, vocabulary coverage, how to analyze an article of vocabulary. We go through how do you do a TED Talk, how do you check a TED Talk to see if you have enough vocabulary for it using transcripts, what about YouTube videos, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of the semester, they get a final assignment, which is create a learning plan for a skill you want to learn, a specific skill that is narrowly focused, for example. You know, want to be able to listen to uh, a TED Talk and be able to test my comprehension so that I achieve 90% comprehension, et cetera, et cetera. Or they'll say, I want to learn... Uh, this was a really big one. It's supposedly, here's your learning plan for the summer. I will learn 1,000 new vocabulary words. <laughs> like, um, you know, uh, you need to be a little more practical. But here's what's interesting is out of the students who did the did something related to increasing vocabulary or reading comprehension or listening comprehension, 20% of the students at max, it's probably about 15%, applied the vocabulary coverage, vocabulary analysis tools and ideas to their plan. In other words, they didn't take what they learned and use it in the plan. And I'm just wondering now, you know, what if I were, you know, it, did I, was I not, did I teach it incorrectly? I don't think so. Right, they they were quizzed on it. They tested on it. They got all the answers. I even explained that if you talk about anything like comprehension or reading speed, you need to be able to use these ideas in your final assignment. Eighty percent don't do it. Now, what should I do next time? I mean, actually, there isn't a next time because I don't get to teach this class anymore <laughs> because of retirement. But you see what I'm, I'm saying? I was like, I thought reasonable gentle about it but they don't get it yeah well it's a it's a it's a special challenge and i've got i'm forking in in two ways here and i guess be the first one so the special challenge and it's like i think there's one way to approach it and that's i think kind of what you're doing is to try to rationally explain um your approach whatever it is like you've got you know your your set you know your your vocabulary things how you set everything out but whatever your suggestions are whatever your advice to them is try to rationally explain why uh this is going to work and why they should do it and then drag them along that's one approach secondly so the second approach could be to first in the in, kind of in the in the comfort zone, right there, to establish trust and establish an environment where, the, the, basically, the, the do whatever you say. Don't ask me how to do that. <laughs> that's that, that's that's a topic all by itself. Maybe like a three a, a three month episode establishing trust and getting the, getting the, the class on your side, and then once you've established. You know, you've got them eating out of your hand, so to speak. Then move together slowly, introducing one element, another element. Yeah, I know we only got fifteen weeks, but any it goes. Or get another. You get another approach. You can go full dead poets and then jump on the desk. <laughs> you can try that, <laughs> but um, you know, and I'm kind of kind of going in the other fork here. Um, the problem with that is, and we talk about the shock and the awe, like do, do, like jumping on the desk, you know, the Dead Poets Society approach. Um, 
for most of our listeners are teaching in Japan. And <laughs> no surprise, these are Japanese students. And any surprise, anything unorthodox, anything new, anything different, it can very easily trigger paralysis, either individually or for an entire class. Yes, I've had experiences with both. <laughs> On the first day of class, I've had kids gripping the edges of their desk with that 100-yard stare through the blackboard. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, what am I, what? boy, I've really, I really gotten off to a bad start here. Um and I wasn't doing any, and I wasn't that. doing anything radical. I was just speaking English. <laughs> so, so anyway, they're Japanese students. So, so any kind of unexpectedness can trigger that kind of paralysis. Any as small as, and as you know, you, you might not even know what you're doing. That, but it, it, it's possible to trigger that. Um, I have to remember that, like for elementary school, middle school, high school, most of them. They have only been learning by rote and imitation. And any request for them to step outside of that, as small and as simple and as, you know, unintimidating as it might seem to us, for them, again, that is a huge ask, especially if you're talking about freshmen. You know, they're just beginning their universe. It's like, it's like they're, you know, they're already tweaked. You know, they're in a new environment. They don't, they're not, they don't have their groups. They don't have their friends. And, and now this teacher's asking me for my opinion. <laughs> oh, my God. Where am I? Um, yeah. Hell. And, and get, yeah, <laughs> pretty much that's how they feel. I'm in the bad place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the bad place. Yeah. So what, the, what did I do? Why didn't I go to the easy school? Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, for 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 these kids, especially the beginning of their university thing, it's anything can um, seem threatening, and and again, again, it's it's a really it's for for people who aren't teaching in Japan, it's really hard to to grok how big of a difference this is. You know, for seventeen, eighteen year olds, um, they're very very different, and maybe less so than before, but it's still there. So, like for me, um, I pretty much get, like your approach, Charles. I'd like to you know explain to them this is what, this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it, and I want you to do it. I, I I gave up on that a long time ago. I couldn't I couldn't pull it off. I couldn't pull it off at all. So um, I went with um, trying to establishing trust first. And that meant doing a lot of things their way, not my way. And it's like, first, it's like, okay, you know, maybe even like wearing a tie at the beginning of the semester, because if you look like a teacher, then they'll respond to you like a teacher. Teachers wear ties, even though they speak English. Um, and it, you know, and it varies from school to school and from class to class. Each class has its own personality. Um, establish some kind of trust with them. And then slowly start pushing your agenda. And one little thing, and then another little thing, another little thing. Um, and I, I have confessed that I, I, I have never jumped on a desk, physical limitations, basically. But I've, but I've done the psychological equivalent um, with very, very mixed success. Um, it, it did work sometimes. So, like, um, one example that we talked about just um, a couple of months ago, I think, um, when, uh, the, again, this was like in the early 90s, Amazon was a place where you bought books. And it was a, it was a, it was a great thing for us here in Japan because suddenly, even with the shipping, books were a reasonable price because English language books here were prohibitively expensive. But suddenly with Amazon, we were able to get books. So I got uh, a book for a cultural interaction class? No, cultural studies class, because it, it, was, it was more cerebral. And um, we were, did, did the, the book was Wild Swans. It's about uh, it's a multi-generational story of women in China. And uh, had, the, had a book up in front, ripped it apart in five sections and gave each section to a different 
group in the class, and the group was responsible for putting that together and putting together a report, and they're never going to tell the story of that book. That's as close as I've gotten to, like, <laughs> the dead poets thing. For them, it, for that time, it worked. Um, I've done other crazy stuff. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. But that's really pretty risky, and it's, it's not likely to work with most Japanese classes. So that's kind of where I'm at. But, like, for me, yeah, because if you, you, you when you're when you're explaining to them what you what you want, they're all sitting there. And they're all nodding their heads, and it looks like they understand. And they maybe understand what you're saying. They don't understand what you mean. <laughs> and you first have to like you, you got to put the pill inside the hamburger and then have them swallow it. They don't look at their pill. You got to make them think they're eating hamburger. Uh, without the medicine. Yeah, but the problem is, I think that's possible when you have a two-semester class, when you have the students for two semesters. Yeah. It doesn't work in a 15-week semester. You don't have the time. You I don't have the time. Yeah, yeah. And right. it, especially in Japan, again, like for people who aren't in Japan, where most classes meet once a week for 90 minutes. Yeah. You know, if you've got yeah. the same kids three days a week or four days a week, you that's can a do different wonders. thing. It's a completely different thing. It's a whole different paradigm but yeah for for and it charles you're absolutely right because i had that situation not not a lot thankfully um and I, I was instrumental in getting that changed at one school but um yeah when you've only got them for one semester that's a big ask it's really hard to establish that kind of relationship and i don't, I don't have an answer for that yeah it's interesting tony i just uh got a Flash, an insight, um, an epiphany. Please share. I forgot it. Um, <laughs> when you were talking about getting students for two or three times a week, I realized when I started teaching in Japan, I was at a school where I had the same students in the oral, like in the communication class, three times a week. I had them Tuesday, yeah, me, Wednesday, me too. Thursday. And then the listening classes, the fo listening focus classes, I had the students on Tuesdays and Thursdays, let's say. And I realized Same students? That, yeah. Uh, it was one class. One yeah, class yeah. met three times Sweet. a week and one class. Oh. And now I'm looking at kind of going, wait a second. When I moved away from that school yep. and moved to more of the one time a week teaching, that's when I think I started enjoying my teaching less. Failure by design. I never, yeah, but I'm saying. <laughs> that's one of our I, first ones, right? Right, yeah. You but I never, it. I never, you nailed it. Yes, you nailed it. Um that's why I don't start anything new, because I say I am have failure built in by design into me. <laughs> I'm going to fail. But I just realized that there's a connection between when I worked with students two to three times a week versus only once a week. That oh, there absolutely. was a whole difference in how I perceived my the joy of teaching. So uh, absolutely. Complete, it's a complete different so, animal. Yeah. But let me go back to what you were saying, though. Getting the class on your side. In a 15-week class, I don't, don't have... I mean, somebody else might be able to do it, and I've, I, my, my former senpai, um, I've mentioned him maybe a couple of times, a guy named Leslie Brizak, who pretty much was like the most, or one of the most brilliant um, classroom practitioners at getting the kids on his side, building trust. He could build trust like in five to ten minutes with students, yeah. and I, ne I, I watched it. I've watched him do yeah. it, and it's just like, how do you do that? Yeah. My God. What a skill, huh? Oh, what a gift! I, it's it's I, like you know, I, I'm not I'm not too bad. I'm guessing just like like what I you know what I hear from my peers and the things that they complain about. I'm not bad, but I know I'm not good, and I know what you're talking about about this guy because I know a couple of teachers like that. And it's like, damn, <laughs> damn, you're good. What's well, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because at one point, um, Leslie asked me to work with him at a like four day writing intensive for a World Bank program. This is years ago before I started working at a school. And I went with him and he opened up and there's like 15 students in the class and they're all, they're not from Japan. They're from developing countries and they're in a special program. And he, I just watched him go around the room and, 
Leslie pretty much had traveled everywhere in the world. I never knew someone who had traveled so much. And he knew something about each person's country. But by the time that he had gotten all the way around with the 15 people in about 30 minutes, two minutes per person or so, these students were, you know, they're all older students because they're government officials who were doing a master's program supported by the All right, so adults already. They were adults already, but still, it still was masterful to watch how they were talking about how they missed their families, how lonely and isolated they felt. And I was like watching this, and I was like in awe (laughs) that he could do this in 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So... At the break, I turned to Leslie and I said, hey, Leslie, how did you do that? And he always, as he would always call me Chuck Wiz, and he goes, easy, Chuck Wiz, you just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Leslie, that's really helpful. It's like riding a bicycle, right? Yeah, yeah, he was just like, yeah, you just just get on there and like move your legs and and just go. (laughs) Yeah, but I was, right, and then you just happen to say, but you do understand that I'm falling all the time and I can't stop falling. But the point is, I think there are some people who can really do that. And I think I'm reasonably good at developing rapport with my students, but I think it might be a very specific kind of student. Uh, uh, and uh, uh. We all have our I'm types. Just, pardon me? We all have our types. I mean, yeah. we connect with different kinds of people, right? That yes. certain ty- kinds of people can connect with us and uh, others n- never. <laughs> right. So in that 15-week class... I think I'm pretty friendly on the first day. I make some jokes. I go through the whole thing. I'm friendly. I think I'm engaging. I have them talking to each other immediately. Um, and, you know, I go through and we do things and we work. And I don't know if there's any other way to be friendlier, right? You know, relaxed, kind, etc. And there's just... You know, what am I going to do next week? I spend the first class really developing the classroom dynamics, giving them a feel. This is what you'll be doing, group work. This is what you need to prepare, etc. And I know what you're saying, that, you know, there are 18-year-old students who have been taught basically to take tests. But to get them from that test-taking place to a point where you, you you can say, now apply what you've learned in this situation. I don't know if that can be done gently in 15 weeks. And I need to add this you know, caveat that if I knew that there was coordination in the classes and across yeah. the education, yeah, you see where I'm going with yeah, this yeah. right now, and everybody knows, I wouldn't feel the need to shock them. Right to say, look, I've got 15 weeks to get you from here to there because I have no confidence or little confidence or no knowledge or little knowledge whether or not this is going to be supported after this class. Well, you can pretty much guarantee that it's not. <laughs> yeah. So I know, for example, right. So, for example, I've had this independent English learning class. I really enjoy teaching it. I've got the syllabus figured out. Then I talk to people, and I've actually talked to some you know, of the people who might be working, let's say, with other teachers, and they say that most of the teachers have no idea how to teach this class. And to me, that's a really hard thing to understand because it's so obvious how to teach this class, right? Note-taking skills, knowledge management system, right? Reviewing skills, pre-reading skills, et cetera, right? Vocabulary, how do you understand vocabulary? Study skills, et cetera, right? Um, But what I'm trying to say is that I got the 15 weeks and I just don't know how to get them to the point where I can say, hey, you've learned all these things. The final assignment is for you to apply what you've learned and then to see how little learning's applied. And part of it is I think that most of them just don't spend a lot of time on the final assignment. I don't think it's a high priority for most of the students. It's an introduction. It's a general English class, right? And I understand that. But I do... Well, let me see if I can say this properly. I usually don't have a high level of confidence that I'm doing the right thing or that I've got the right answer. But when it comes to things like the importance of reviewing, pre-reading, note-taking, knowledge management system, and the vocabulary as a means to really help you in all your classes, right? Right, right. I have high level of confidence. What I am teaching you will significantly impact in a positive way 
your future studies because if you're in an engineering class and your professor assigns you an article to read, I've just given you the tools so you can figure out, will you understand the article? Will you, do you have enough vocabulary for it? I've given you, um, you know, I've shown you like the Hemingway app, which will show you how complex the writing is, and you can determine what a challenge it's going to be. You're going to know your vocabulary level. You're going to know should you know how much time, right? You're going to need to be able to read this article. In other words, I'm teaching you stuff that is going to be useful in English and non-English classes, right? Study skills, review skills, etc. Maybe I should just go in and just say, look. You're going to be tested all the time. This is going to be the hardest class you've ever had. And most of you will fail if you do not do what I say you need to do. And I wonder whether I would have gotten better results. You probably would have. But and it, I would consider is like you, you, you mentioned, God, there's like, there was so much, so much there that I want to respond to. Um, but one of the considers that you, you said that they didn't give enough, um, they did enough, uh, they didn't think the final task was serious enough i'm guessing i'm guessing i don't think that's it but maybe consider that maybe that's not it i think it goes way before i think it's it's a marketing problem and you've said so much uh, at the very beginning it's like somehow from the get-go they didn't get sold on the idea that what they were learning there was actually helpful for them in their other classes. I think that I think there's a real strong possibility that that's where the miss is. Can there, I interrupt you, Tony? Yeah. Yeah, I I'm going to beg to differ here because based on the comments I got from students in evaluations, significant proportion of them talked about the value of the class. Well, I we throw up my hands. It. I throw up my hands because if they understand the value that's, of the class, yes. okay. then why I, aren't they doing what is re- that's, required for the class? <laughs> that's exactly the frustration I'm going through. That's, right a, that's, a, that's a big that's one. That's the point. They, um, I gave them a midterm, and I say, what's this class about, or what's the most important thing you learned? What's the uh, two most important things you learned? Now, of course, I can tell from their answers, okay, at the midterm. So at the midterm – you know, there's been a whole lot about review, note-taking, um, personal management systems, note-taking systems. Uh, what else have we covered at that point? We haven't done the vocabulary analysis yet, but, uh, you know, other things along the lines of how to read, um, communication skills, etc. And I could see by when, you know, from the midterms where they say, oh, the most important thing I learned was to say hello to my classmates. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, you're you – know, now, part of me, you know, my immediate response is you're not getting it. But then I think to myself, well, you know, maybe for that student, that really is the most important thing. But that's not the most important thing I thought I was teaching. But I do get the feedback that, you know, we learned important skills here. And then when I see their final assignments and they're not applying what they learned, you know, you, for example, the vocabulary coverage, the vocabulary analysis, like, for example, the students will, will say, I want to improve my reading speed from 150 to 200 words per minute. Well, I very clearly explained and we they did this and, you know, they analyzed the text using um, you know, some vocabulary analysis websites, and they understand coverage, and they know what their vocabulary levels are for the different, you know, f- word frequency levels. And they know that if you want to improve reading speed, which is fluency, and we talk about that, reading speed is an yeah. example of fluency, etc. There's a certain percentage, you need like 99% vocabulary coverage for you to be able to, you know, do... Uh, you know, your reading fluency practice or listening fluency practice. Of those students who did the, I want to improve my reading speed, there was like out of 100 and let's say 10, 115 students, when I did the count, it was approximately 20 students talked about reading speed. Four of them talked about checking the the articles they would choose using the vocabulary analysis and making sure they had 99% coverage. That's what I mean. Even though I get feedback from students that, you know, they they really do think that this is valuable or useful. They understand that. So I get into this problem where, 
understand they might they 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 learned it but they obviously didn't understand it because if they understood it they would have been able to use it hmm. so that's the frustration i'm talking about and wouldn't it have been better if i had just been come out and you know done this shock and awe kind of thing really scared them because maybe how do i bypass all those defenses how do i bypass yeah. all those years of training and well, I don't know neural if you pathways yeah i don't know I don't but know i'm if wondering you and and you know taking the other approach depending on your your evaluation instrument you maybe you get better results does that really mean that they learned more i don't know yeah, I understand. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, as I said before, it's like there's going to be a lot of questions here and a lot of unknowns because I don't have any answers. Yeah. Well, so you understand this final assignment for the independent English learning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one year, I decided to do the shock and awe thing. Mm. And what I did was the final assignment was you're working at a company and you have no experience in, let's say, coding or making an app or making a website, for example. Your boss comes to you and says, sorry, we need somebody to make this app or to make this website. You have three months to do this. Get to it. Or you'll be without a job. Okay? Got it. And I gave them that as their final assignment. I there were complaints. I mean, you could, you know, students started complaining right away. And I mean, what was, actually, it, what was the class again? What was it? Independent English learning. It's Independent the same English class, learning. Okay. Right. I taught them the same things. How to and the and it's very clear that I say this is not independent English learning. This is independent learning. I'm teaching you how to teach yourself how to learn, and we go through all these different things. I, again, oh, that's perfect. Then okay, Got it's it. a perfect assignment, right? Yep. Now take what you've learned in this class and apply it. I cannot tell you just students like came up to me after class and complained about the assignment. Did you make anybody came, cr- make anybody cry? Nobody cried. I made no. students. I, I don't know. I've had students cry from other things. Like, yeah, me, me too. Yeah, I, <laughs> but no, nobody was. My crying. writing classes, I have like a writing like a student cry every year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I once made a student cry by saying. Are you scared of me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my favorite line, by the way, this happened this this past semester. I turned to a student and they were really, you know, I could see that they were have they physically were reacting to me when I when I walked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we talked about it. Yeah, about the one who said, um, Mm. I said, "Am I scary?" And they said, "Yes." And I said, "Why?" And they say, "Because I'm not good at English." And I'm like, (laughs) "I've mentioned this one, right?" Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, know. If, I don't. Like, I, I don't know in the podcast, but in our discussions, you've mentioned. Okay. It. I just, you know, I didn't know how to how to deal with that. Let me see if it's right. You can't speak English well, and that makes me scary. You know, that just is not the way it works. I think, right? But mm. it's just an example of the kind of individual psychologies that we have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here I have this activity. It's psycholinguistics too. Pardon me? Psycholinguistics, too. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, like, it's like, you know, we say, like, you know, I, an accident, I, I ran into another car, right? So in Japanese, mm. <laughs> no, no one hits anybody else. Things just happen. <laughs> right. Mistakes when were it, when, made. When it comes with fear, it's like, yeah, I can't speak English, so you're scary. <laughs> right. Yeah. It transfers to the other person. Okay. No, it's, it's just an aside. It's just kind of one of the things that always in the back there that's like, okay, I got to remember that too. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. But, <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Is go ahead, because that... you're on a sidetrack from, I want to go back to your other class, to the class itself, but go ahead with what you're going with. Okay. Which is that. I think it's always in the back of our minds that we're scaring kids or the kid might be terrified or frightened or I'm crea- you know, causing the student to have a really strong emotional reaction to mm. me. And I really do try to be gentle. I really do. I mean, and by, I'm not maybe successful at it. I don't think I'm the gentlest person in the world, but I really do think about the student's feelings as much as I can. But I look at that student and I say, you know, it doesn't matter how gentle I am with that kid. If I'm gentle with that kid, all I'm doing is reinforcing the current behavior. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, should I just turn to the student and say, excuse me, but, you know, in Japanese, <laughs> and, you know, you, you, that is unacceptable. That's <laughs> like saying that your teacher is scary because they have more knowledge than you. Would you do that to a Japanese teacher? Would you say to a Japanese teacher, they're scary? Or would you say to another teacher, professor, you're scary because you know more than I do? Because if that's what you think, you know, there's a part of me that wants to say, you can't go through life like that because you're going to be scared of a lot of people. A lot, a I lot know. of people. I, pardon me? Not <laughs> many, a lot of many, people? Many, many, many people. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so that's what I'm talking about, again, is that, you know, I don't have a lot of interaction with that student. You know, I want to help that student. I want yeah. them to move beyond yeah. that. And I try to be gentle with that student. And after that student said that to me, I was always gentle. I said, hey, you know, yeah, okay, I stayed away from the student. But then when I had to check the student's performance or something again i got this incredible reaction i could see that there was no change uh, so let me go back though to that final assignment i was talking there about, we go though. right so i gave this final assignment that this is what you have to do the students are complaining and i said no i think it's not that difficult as you think you've got all these skills all you have to do is transfer them to a new thing and at that point, the final assignment was 50% of the grade, right? Mm -hmm. Now, honestly... That's what freaked him out. <laughs> That's what freaked him out. That's well, I, uh, yeah, I understand that. I understand. Yeah. But let me just continue. My memory was that I got the best results I've ever gotten huh. from students, right? That I remember that when I was reading it, I thought, ah, you know what? 60% of them are getting it. They're applying it. They understand. Ah, I have to ask these questions. I have to go online. I have to use, let's say, Google Scholar. I have to do the searches. And this is, you know, this is, I think, eight, 10 years ago, okay? It's probably 2016, 2000, around 17, okay? Mm -hmm. Or earlier. And most of them got it. I remember being really pleased with the results. Mm, 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 mm. And that's what I mean, that they were scared because it was 50% of their grade. And it was in something they didn't have to do that forced them to get out yeah, of their boxes. Yeah. yeah. And I remember that because so many of them complained about it, and it came up in the evaluations – that this was really hard, it wasn't fair for you to do this to us, we're not coders or programmers. And then it's like, okay, you didn't get it, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Again. But there were so many complaints that they thought that it was unfair. And they would say, this is an independent English learning class, and this had nothing to do with, you know, English learning. And I'm like, okay, you're you're not getting it. And I don't know what the percentage of complaints were, but they were enough that I thought, okay, I won't do this again. Uh, but I did get the best results I ever got. I had a, I had a very similar experience, and, and I talked about today uh, about that class on the first day where the kids were just gripping the desks and staring through the blackboard. Um was, and you was, were talking from the back of the classroom, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was in front of the classroom, moving around. They were just staring straight ahead, just like, like let this class be over <laughs> or I'm going to die. That, that was basic, except for like one or two kids who were like, um, you know, they were like in the in the feeder system from the high school and junior college, and they, they were pretty adept at English. They were they were having a ball. They were laughing. Yeah. <laughs> they were Isn't giggling that the problem? <laughs> so, That's the cause problem because they, they were used to it, right? And so I was like, okay. And it's like, and I'm telling you, this is my last class. This is last class on Friday afternoon of the first week. I am spent. I'm now I'm teaching eighteen classes a week. And it's like, okay. Um, some of you guys <laughs> understand what I'm saying. Um, some of you don't. Maybe. Most of you. Um, yeah, most of you. I didn't. I said, some of you understand. Some of you don't. Says, I'm going to take a walk. Um, when I come back, someone's going to explain to me what the problem is, <laughs> because I, I, you know, I mean, I, whatever, however I was speaking, it wasn't like this. It was, it was student English. It was something that they should have understood at this university. Uh, they should have all understood exactly what I'm saying. Um, there's nothing difficult. I wasn't asking them to do anything. I don't remember what it was, but it was like nothing. I got to go for a walk because I didn't want to blow my top on the first day of class. 
come back and and one one or two of the, you know, the kids says I don't remember what they said but it's like okay that's good it says, and we can you know, we can do this went through the year um, as you said um, yeah at the end of the year it was it was one of the best classes that I've ever had it was a class that it was the only time that I invited students to my house uh, the uh, because they, they had like a, a project at the end, they they uh, they made videos, um, of course, all in English and all different kinds of things, and and they were, you know, they were they're just great. It was just great experience, great results. Their English just I just like it's an incredible trajectory, and it was just it was just success and fun and all the best all the way around, and it was a uh, a tragedy. In my opinion, because um, this is one of those cases where I uh, presented the, the that the classes with, which I knew was a you know fairly demanding expectations, um, but I did that every year, and every year I had great results. That was the last year I was able to do that. Um, the year after that, it uh, converted to like a coordinated program, where it was dumbed way way down, where. Every several weeks, the students regurgitated, memorized dialogues, uh. <laughs> and and then you then they were scored, of course, uniformly by the you know crazy minutia, nothing to do with meaning. All to do was it was just it's just ah, oh. and I didn't teach that many of those. I only had like one or two of those. And luckily, the other classes I thought was more advanced students and didn't the, the that didn't per, get infect those other classes. But like for the freshman classes, it was always a little bit heartbreaking each year. So it's like, like, and I but I get a good class where I was like, man, what I could do with you guys. I'm sorry, <laughs> you got to use this stupid, you know, college created textbook tech quote unquote. And it's like, oh man, oh man, oh man. But anyway, special memories, and uh, yeah, those students' projects at the end were and are special. They're still on my hard drive. Um, I look at them every once in a while, but it's great. But anyway, enough about me. Um, so anyway, I'm left with um, I, other kind of like things that like I'm kind of think about with this, um, this kind of questioning approach of like going in there with like you know a hard line approach or a a shocking shockingly different like a jumping on the desk type of thing or unexpected challenges and unexpected anything right especially teaching in japan how much of it is like skill specific you know does it matter much is it a conversation class is it a reading class is it a writing class will students respond differently to that kind of thing I mean, I've got my own stories, but um, and then uh, thinking about like the generalization of it, it's like it's like if it's a if it's a one class thing, right? If you only do it once, what is the what does that do? I mean, it's like so you have like the norm that you're normally teaching class on one class, you you do something radically different. Uh, is that? enhance the efficacy of it or does it just like a, a, a weirdo thing or is it something that you need to do regularly do something different do something different do something different um and we, we talked about this it's like when you when your class is going down the tubes it's like okay throw the textbook away and pull something out of your bag um and it looks like whoa oh suddenly everyone's engaged and seemingly they're speaking English or something, something like that. Um, how is that something that you can repeat, or is that something that just you know you kind of <laughs> you get like a like a pass once once each semester to be able to do something like that? Um, and so yeah, and we talk about like that you know as a hail mary pass. Is it is it repeatable? I don't know. So anyway, I've got my I threw out my one story about like my uh, that. Uh, at the with that one class of students, um, I got a couple of more. But uh, what about you, Charles? You have like experience. You talked about a couple of times with this this um, 
the classes you know you were just talking about, which is great. Um, you got anything else? What do you mean? I mean, other stories that you want to maybe share? <laughs> Too many stories. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> but I, what I want to do, though, is go back to okay. um, what we were talking about before rather than tell a story. All right. Which is that I understand that there might be some what I'm going to call micro skills that the students don't have that allows them to move to transferring their learning given, you know, what they've done. And, you know, that, for example, the ability to, for example, how to analyze something, how to apply something, right? You know, maybe sure. they need more practice on that. Sure. I do know that there's no right way that's going to work for every student. What I think I want to – the problem I have is that I see a, that student – a lot of the students – um, for example, at the one school where I, I teach, where you were so kind enough to recommend me for, right? Really high level school. Yep. When I, when I give, when I've given, the, you, know, you know where I'm going with this one. It's like when I, I give the students, I you know, we do this abstract, concrete language thing. Uh-huh. I explain it, they do it, and then they send in their homework, and pretty much they all fail. <laughs> and they're getting their first like below A scores ever in their academic uh-huh, careers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They are traumatized. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I stopped. I did that my first year, and I, I mean, I got so many emails from students. Can I redo this? Can I retake this? And I realize now, um, I stopped doing it the second year because <laughs> it was so hard on them. Uh-huh. But I realize it was the right thing to do. They were so traumatized uh-huh. the first year that when they retook the test, they actually got it. (laughs) So I'm Uh, using – that's my little story kind of thing that I want to use to go back to. Okay. Which is that – and I was surprised that that many students failed, and I felt really bad because I've never failed that many students on an assignment (laughs) in my entire life. But one of the things was, you know, they – had to go through and mark which words were abstract, which words were concrete. They had to rephrase. They had to go from general to more focused, you know, a list of, uh, you know, terms, for example. And then they had to rewrite sentences such as, I had a good day, I had a bad day, right? X is a good school or X is a bad school. And they had to rewrite these. And I got sentences from students. And what they did is they thought that writing longer was more concrete, even though they were still using abstract language. I met with my best friend. We had a great meal, and I had a nice time talking with them, right? And there's like, absolutely, I have no idea what you're talking about, (laughs) right? What friend? What did you eat? What did you talk about? How long did you meet them? When did they meet them? And that was the first time that they had ever failed an assignment. They ended up, most of them, failing. I, I said, don't worry, be patient. They kept, I kept getting emails. When can I retake this? When can I redo the assignment? And I said, just wait, just wait. And I waited again five, six weeks. That's mm. what I want to say. And then they redid it, and they all did really well. But I think a lot of the success to that was just the sheer shock. Well, and okay. Yeah, really that, good point. Okay. I, all, the only thing I can really think of, because I, you know, I got that. Now – Part of that was also with, I said to them, hey, you know, you're at a really good school. You can't always be the top anymore. Right, right, right. I said, you're not going to be successful in everything that you do. And that the definition of success is how well you can bounce back from a failure. And I think a lot of the students and I'm, you know, invoking a lot of, uh, you know, let's say, uh, what is the current – zeitgeist, right, is that a lot of the students have never had failures. Mm. And they've never had to develop the resiliency to overcome that. This is the coddling of the American mind by, you know, Jonathan, I forget his co-author. This is also anti-fragility by Taleb, the guy who did uh, The Black Swan, where, um, you know, these students don't experience failure. And maybe... That that's what we're really talking about is that the activities are gentle, everybody gets a B, or, you know, we grade gently, rather than saying, no, sorry, you don't get this. 
you need to work on this now. You need to spend more time doing this. I don't know. I really don't know. And again, I understand that oftentimes my perceptions and my emotional reactions are not, you know, properly calibrated to reality. And I would like to have more data about this. But I do wonder if I want to get these students to give them what I think is really valuable and is going to help them in a world that is changing so radically that what is being taught to them, and I think a lot of what's being taught to them in other classes are content-based but not necessarily skills-based. And the skill I'm talking about is how do you adapt yourself to a rapidly changing world? How do you learn how to teach yourself new skills, new traits, new knowledge? How do you make sure that you have the confidence to know that, hey, if the world changes, if my job changes, if I have to restructure my career, ah, I have the skills to do that. And I think that that's what I really try to give them in those 15 weeks is the ability to really know how to teach yourself, how to learn by yourself. And I don't think I have that same amount of confidence, let's say, in an oral communication class, let's say a reading or listening skills class, because I can think, okay, you know, basically, you know, other people can teach that. I think in the writing classes, I'm pretty good at that, where I say, hey, I'm going to teach you how to write clearly, concisely, and concretely, because that's important. And even if you're doing SNS or if you're doing like emails, et cetera, I'm just at a point now where, you know, should I have just been more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Surprising, shocking, stricter, um, more demanding, and saying, sorry, no, this is the way the world is. You're not going to be coddled anymore. And that's, you know, kind of what I'm dealing with. And I just am not sure because what really saddens me, as I said, going back to the beginning, is that if I tell the students there's a test next week, they do what I want them to do. If I tell them there's a quiz, they will review, okay? But if I ask students nicely, you know, it's, I think, the nature of students just not to do things, but they're not, they're not getting something that is really important for them. And as you pointed out, right, Tony, these students are taking, what, 15 classes a week yeah. minimum? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have, you know, I can't even remember what I taught yesterday without reviewing my notes. Yeah, and then they come to class, review. they don't even remember your name. And, yeah, and because, and they, <laughs> and on top of it, they don't understand that you need what you learned the previous week to learn what we're going to yeah, learn. Yeah, so it's a totally and, foreign concept. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, oh, this got something to do with last week? What? <laughs> or wait, uh, wait, the a, home... There was no I, test. I, what was, it? was that homework? I, what? Wait, I needed to do the homework so I could do what's in the class? What? Last week? There's... There's a connection from one week to the next? Yeah. So, you know, that is just, you know, part of the dilemma, uh, you know, that we've been dealing with. Well, there's a, there's and, a, lot of, there, there's a big structural problem that, that, that needs to be surmounted to do any of this. Yeah. Uh, before you even begin trying to do what we're talking about here, the structural impediments are, are significant. Yeah. But can I move on? Um, I think we've covered pretty much the whole thing today, but yeah, I want to talk, yeah. just like bring up something <laughs> that is really causing me um, <laughs> some, what's the word? Consternation. Okay, so, so, so we're, we're, yeah, yo, okay, we're done. It's like, yo, so yeah, now it, you're, it's break time, right? What do you mean? What do you, you guys, you got some consternation. You're on vacation. Okay. <laughs> I talked about these independent learning final assignments. Yeah. And I talked, I had final writing assignments at another place. You know, and I had assignments at another uh, – you're right. Anyway, uh, other kind of – the um, number of students who submitted work without ze with zero grammatical errors was statistically impossible. <laughs> well, they're, 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 they're doing what you taught them. They're, they're using I understand. the resources. Right. They're right. submitting okay. grammatically perfect yes. essays. Yes, yeah. Well, they're going through and they're using Grammarly. Sure. Okay. This is good. This is fine. <laughs> then I'm getting things that is – obviously not plagiarized because I've kind of done the searches, but was obviously not written by an 18-year-old college student talking, you know, about things that they just wouldn't know about. Right. In a style that I would find challenging to write, you know, 25-word um, perfectly crafted sentences. Okay. Obviously, 
something else is going on. So while I was doing this, I sent a questionnaire out real quickly to my students, all, all the classes, and said, hey, just to help me understand, would you please respond? And it was like four or five questions, and you just had to answer yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. For example, did you use a grammar checker? Yes, no. Did you use ChatGPT? Yes, no. Did you copy any sentences without attribution? Yes, no, etc. Well, half the students responded to the questionnaire and 75% said no, we uh, or did not use Grammarly. And um, 65% said no, I didn't use ChatGPT or even a higher percentage, okay? <laughs> and I went back and I said, okay, let me look at some of the written work these students have submitted from in-class <laughs> quizzes. And there is no connection between their handwritten writing. Sure, you know? sure, sure. So, but they wouldn't tell me this. Well, I wouldn't tell you either if I was a student because if it would do the things, it's like, yeah, you say it's anonymous, but I don't believe you. Right, exactly. <laughs> so what that does is we want – I want to go through because what I, yeah. I – we can talk about the whole trust issue here. But what I want to do, in a, like I think we need to talk about this, is that I now realize I don't think I can give assignments, written assignments anymore. Well, there's, not much, there's not much point to it anymore. Anymore. Really to re re-engineer the whole system yeah. there, the paradigm. Yes. You have to, and that's yeah, what you I to, want to you, talk you about. You have to figure out a new way to do it, yeah. So that's a, that's a third topic that we've got from today, right? What are the other two? Um, one I forgot, but the other one is uh, teaching for the future. Yeah, well, I think we've talked about that before, haven't we? Ah, maybe like 10 years ago. Okay, yeah, that might, that might but be it's, good to I think it's. I think it's worth revisiting. Okay, because it's back to the future. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because my criteria for anything that I teach when I'm figuring out my lessons and, you know, the, the courses and doing the syllabus and the planning is, will this be useful for these students in the future? Mm. And part of me, you know, that's why we've gotten into that argument about does it even make sense to teach students English, right? Mm. Right. For example, would it? We don't get me started. Don't get me. I know. I know. I know. But this is where you know we've talked about this. It's it's Latin now. It's a mental exercise to help improve your abilities. Right. But the actual subject content, I don't know if it's valuable. Okay. So anyway, I always use that criteria. Will this be valuable in the future? And if I cannot say yes, I believe that this will definitely be something that the students will find useful in 10 to 15 years, I tend to kind of lower its importance in, you know, the the curriculum that I develop. So now I'm wondering, I can't I can't get a fair evaluation of students' work based on the tools they have available. They might not, and I don't think they're giving me honest information about, you know, are they using ChatGPT? Because too much stuff looked like it's like I use ChatGPT enough that I can kind of go, ha, huh. yeah, yeah, you it know, smells. I, yeah, yeah, I <laughs> can got, do that. It's got its own aroma, yeah, yeah, so to speak. So that's what I'd like to talk about, maybe somewhere down the line. Oh. Yeah, I like it. That's that's worthwhile. Absolutely. Okay, because everybody everybody teaching needs to. Really take that into consideration with any kind of assignments because it's always a balance of, of of you know what the student's doing and and you want to encourage them to use the available technology yes. to do yeah. what they to do what they do better but you don't want it to be a substitute for what they're doing so no that's a that's a fantastic topic I think right and it really revolves around the fact that the assignment is designed for you to demonstrate what you've learned. Right. And right. can you use what you've learned? So if you're using ChatGPT, I have no way to identify that. Well, you just incorporate that in the assignment. So you know, don't make it about the grammar, make it about everything else. It's like not regurgitating like everything that's somewhere online prior but to 2019. There's here's the problem and we'll go through it, but just just, you know, you know where I'm going with this, right? Mm -hmm. As I say to the students, apply the following concepts to this situation where your boss has asked you for a job. And I know that students are just typing that into ChatGPT. And ChatGPT is doing so-called the thinking for them. Right. It's not that the students' writing levels are so different. I'm using that as a measurement to say, ah, this student didn't write this by themselves. 
there's something else going on here. Right. I'm right. looking at their thinking and their ideas, but I still, but I can't effectively measure that if you know there's such a right difference. So anyway, we'll talk about that more in the future. Yeah, it's lots okay. to think, lots to think about, and that'll be an interesting episode. Yes. Okay. Should we wrap this up? Wrap it up. Wrap it up. I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. Two teachers talking at someplace somewhere. <laughs> you can find us by just figuring out two teachers talking at, for example, gmail.com. All right, Tony. Well, thanks. Be well. It was nice talking with you. Wonderful. Stay cool. Okay, bye. All right.